This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. everyone back to another episode of the hoops addicts anonymous podcast an elite sports ny production uh recording on the evening of wednesday january 20th uh just a little before 8 p.m at night rolling as always with my co-host chip murphy chip what's going on man how you doing i'm good man how are you doing very well um happy to be talking hoops with you again this week We're, we're coming a little bit later than usual We'd like to get a pod in at least by Monday, um, but nevertheless, always pumped to be talking hoops. And uh, before we get into that, just um, you know, obviously massive news in our country today: Joseph Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. I'm sure I speak for Chip, and we're hoping for uh, a much different four years than we've had in the past, to say the least. To put it mildly, we're hoping and praying for the best. Um, but I, I know we're pretty excited about new leadership for sure. Um, with that said, it's it's really just me and Chip tonight, uh, which we're me and Chip are pumped about. We haven't done a podcast like this in a while. We've been really, really excited about bringing on guests and really reaching out, trying to expand our network, our contacts, talking to people from all different walks of life in terms of hoops. Um but it's been a long time, man. I think the last time we did a podcast by ourselves is probably one of our draft breakdowns, yeah. Uh, which we were we we've been doing for for a while, especially I think over the summer. Um, but we just thought we'd kind of recap some of the major headlines in the NBA um, as we sit. You know, most teams have about thirteen to fifteen games underneath their belt in the schedule, and uh, the biggest story in the NBA right now, without a doubt. Um, COVID withstanding has got to be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Sean Marks, give him credit, has executed probably one of the biggest blockbuster trades that the league has seen in the last five to 10 years, uh, bringing over James Harden from the Houston Rockets uh, and pairing him with uh, easily a top three player in the NBA and Kevin Durant and maybe a top, um, you know, depending on how you think it, uh, top 15 to top 20 player in Kyrie Irving. Um, Chip, just overall first initial thoughts when you, you heard about the trade. I know we were probably texting a little bit um, just in terms of surprise of how quickly things got done once it started to get reported, reported about. Um, but, you know, kind of your first overall thoughts on the uh, Harden trade. On the Harden trade was, I, I don't know if shock is the right word, but I guess surprise actually, like, that the Nets pulled it off, that it happened, the timing. You know, I thought that Philly would be more aggressive, you know, with Maury, but 
my first thought was, wow, like Harden got what he wanted. Superstars get what they want all the time. But man, he's, you know, I, my, I, I hope it doesn't work. I guess I know as Knicks fans, as Knicks fans, we all act like we don't give a shit about the Nets. But as much as I really don't give a shit about the Nets, I also hope they don't win. So my my first thought, I guess, was I hope it doesn't work yet because I, I want them to fail. But at the same time, it is going to be fun, of course. And I also think they're going to give up a million points. They're not going to stop anybody. So I guess the cynic in me was like, yeah. That's great. They're going to score a bunch of points. They're going to be a great carnival show. They're not going to beat the Lakers. This team isn't going to beat LeBron James. No fucking way is that team going to beat LeBron James. It's not going to happen. They do have Kevin Durant, but they're still not going to beat LeBron James. I don't think Kevin Durant even needed James Harden to beat LeBron James. Really? Like maybe that's not the maybe that's not the best way to put it, but in terms of offense, you know what I mean? In terms of to score to beat LeBron James, he needed a different player to beat LeBron James. Yeah, I, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the other thing that's really interesting to me, there's a lot of moving parts uh, in this trade. You mentioned defense and the Brooklyn Nets effectively traded away their best rim protector in yeah. Jared Allen. Um, so, you know, when you say that they're not going to be able to stop a chair, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's – it's, it's true. They're going to give up a million points. Um, I was talking to one of my really good friends about this trade and in a good way that he kind of framed it and summarized it is that the Brooklyn Nets improved on all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses. Um, you know, they, you know, they have uh, great catch and shoot threats, uh, great initiators, um, you know, great shot creators and, no one who is going to be able to really hold someone in check on the perimeter. No one who is really going to be able um, to deter shots at the rim. Uh, un unless you just want to put all of that responsibility on Kevin Durant. Um, I, I, uh, I also, as a Nick fan, I'm, I'm a little, and I'll call it on my end, like a little bitter and, and jealous of, of kind of how the Nets have, skyrocketed in terms of their team building and, and the fact that they were able to put all of this together. Um, as an NBA fan, it, it, it's going to be amazing to watch. I mean, as we sit here recording this tonight, I got an alert on my phone that the Nets started their game nine of 10 against the Cavs who have, I, I think 10 of least, 10, I think 10, 10, of, 10 of 10. So they started the game 10 of 10 against a team that has the third best defensive rating in the league right now. Obviously it's the Cavs. We don't know how much longer that's going to last, but still, um, you know, I, I don't want to put out the cliche argument against this team that everyone's going to kind of say when it's like, well, there's only one ball and how can it work? But I mean, it is going to be very interesting to see how usages pan out. Um, who, who takes, a backseat here and chip, I think that's kind of the next place I want to go with this. I know you have a good, as good a memory as anyone um, when it comes to, you know, basketball within the last five to 10 years, but I know you'll remember when uh, conversations around a big three started uh, with regards to the Miami heat, both Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade 
And, you know, LeBron James are all famous for saying that, you know, it couldn't have happened without Bosch taking a backseat. It couldn't have happened without Dwayne Wade, who is born and bred, you know, Miami through and through, saying this is LeBron's team. This is not my team anymore. So how is that going to happen with these three guys? I, I just, you know, it's funny because Durant, at least – from a perception standpoint, seems like he he could be the one in, in terms of a guy that that might be able to, but but his skill set, he's the best out of all of them. So how is that going to work? Clearly, we would think we would like to think with Kyrie's ability to work off the catch and shoot that it would be him. But he literally left Cleveland because he was taking a backseat to LeBron or or didn't want to wait for LeBron to give him the keys, as LeBron always said. He wanted to be the man in his own situation. Uh, now, you know, he's he's in Brooklyn with KD. Now James Harden comes. James Harden um, is, is literally the best isolation player in the NBA, maybe not named Kevin Durant. So uh, what do you think about all this? I think that if they want to win a championship, Kevin Durant should not be taking a backseat to anyone. So that's not a possibility. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem because the Chris Bosh taking a backseat thing, the Kevin Love taking a backseat thing, that was those guys agreeing to play off the ball and shoot. And Chris Bosh wasn't a shooter when he first got to Miami. Kevin Love wasn't like a great shooter when he first got to Cleveland. All three of these guys can already shoot. Like James Harden is not the you know, elite shooter that Irving and Durant are yeah, on their, you know, percentage wise, but he makes a shitload of them. He takes so many of them. I'm not sure right. if he's going to keep up that rate in Brooklyn now, but so maybe his percentages will even go up now. Cause he'll, maybe he'll take fewer, but yeah, I, I don't see it as much of a problem considering that all three of these guys are going to be able to catch and shoot. I mean, Kyrie is an elite catch. We know Durant's one of the greatest shooters of his era, one of the greatest shooters of all time, given his, you know, his seven feet tall, you have to factor that in. He's one of the greatest scorers ever. And Kyrie as a catch and shoot shooter, he's, you know, he's 40 plus percent every year. So, I mean, I don't think it's an issue as long as, you know, they're willing to work together on that. And the fact that Harden was willing to go to Brooklyn in the first place tells me that they've had conversations about it, you know? You would think, right? I would think, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and I think they'll, they'll, there'll be inevitable bumps in the road and you'll see late game situations where maybe more experienced teams take advantage of the lack of playing time they've had together. And uh, they'll, they'll be a bit of an overblown narrative of, oh, who's going to take the last shot? Um, and all Durant. of this, it should be Durant. It should be Durant. It should always be Durant. But the, but the thing is, Chip, I, I do think that these guys egos on some level is, is going to come into play as it would in any workplace, as it would on any basketball team, when you have guys that are this elite. Um, but you know, we'll see. I, I, I think it's going to be just, it's going to be an amazing storyline going forward. Um, I'm really, really pumped to see how it works out. Ultimately, I think that 
I, I, I just see, I just don't see, and I could be completely wrong here. I'll be the first to admit it if I am. I just don't see if this team makes it to, um, not makes it to a finals, but wins a championship. I don't think it'll be Steve Nash coaching them, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. What do you mean? You think he's not going to be the coach like next year? Um, I think he will make it through mid season next year. And I think that for whatever reason, if things don't go according to plan and according to plan is going to be, is if we have an 82 game season next year, mm-hmm. you know, at least 55, 60 plus wins. Um, and you know, no locker room fractions or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and from what I've read, I, I've, I've heard some nice, nice things about Nash. It's just hard for me to believe, regardless of how smart Steve Nash is, regardless of how loved uh, he is in the NBA circles, that his first head coaching job, um, and obviously we, you know. Well, we Steve know, Kerr did it. I was just going to say, we it. know Steve Kerr did it. But it's just hard for me to believe that it's going to work with these three guys, their skill sets, and him um, being so new to the position. But could prove me wrong. You know, I mean, like once the Harden trade went down, I know that I had picked the 76ers to make it uh, to the finals this year and eventually lose to the Lakers. Hard for me to not pick Brooklyn now um, with with Harden on the team. I mean, it's. You know, you look at the East and it's just, again, Giannis has to prove it in playoff time. Uh, I like Philly this year a lot. I still like them, but, man, I can't wait to see them play Brooklyn. Um, But, man, hard to see anybody in the East really threatening them in the seven-game series right now. Yeah, they just beat Milwaukee without Kyrie. So, and looked really good doing it. And, you know, I... I mean, Giannis and Middleton, they just aren't the closeout guys that any of KD, Kyrie, or Harden are. Yeah, I mean, KD and Kyrie more than Harden, but I think Giannis, you know, just the fact that he doesn't have the jumper that those guys do takes him off of their level. And Middleton obviously is an elite jump shooter, but yeah. I mean, I think Brooklyn, you have to put them ahead of Milwaukee at this point, like you do. Even though we haven't seen too much of these guys together, I think you still have to. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Chip, what is, uh, what's going to be our next topic for tonight? Well, we talked about this beforehand. I, we haven't talked about Jeremy Grant at all yet. And Jeremy Grant has been amazing yet. And... We uh we owe it to a friend of the podcast, Duncan Smith, huge Pistons fan. We never talk about the Pistons to talk about Jeremy Grant. The Pistons obviously have not been good. They're three and ten right now. Uh last sports record in the East. But Jeremy Grant has been shocking. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe shocking is not the right word, but he's outperformed expectations. Uh, you know, he went to Detroit. Because he said he wanted a bigger role. There wasn't like any love, no hard feelings with Denver. He just wanted a bigger role in the offense. You know, last year uh, he was kind of 
third, fourth banana to Joker and Murray. And now he's the top dog in Detroit and he's averaging 24.9 points on 46.7% shooting and 38.9% from three and a 53.9% effective field goal percentage. Last year, he took 8.9 field goals per game. This year, he's taking 18.6. Last year, 3.5 three-pointers. This year, 6.9. One of the most impressive things about him, by the way, his three-point percentage stays exactly the same this year. Hasn't altered one bit. Playing 10 more minutes per game this year. 26.6 last year, 36.3. And his usage was sorry just usage was 18 last year 26.4 right now and looking at cleaning the glass his on off efficiency differential the pistons are plus 14 in points per 100 possessions when he's uh, when he's on the court so i mean he's just been incredible and we were talking about before we came on here about whether or not he's an all-star and when you, I know his, his team's obviously bad, yeah. but when, if you just take away the record and look at the numbers, I mean, he's got all-star numbers. Yeah. Like there's no doubt about that. And he's, I mean, he's just been, it's him and Christian Wood right now for most improved player. So yeah, I've just been really impressed and I've always been a, a Jeremy Grant fan. He went to Syracuse and my family is big Syracuse fans. My sister went to Syracuse. So I've always rooted for Syracuse guys in the NBA. I'm happy for him. And I mean, who could have seen this coming before <laughs> he's averaging 24.9 points. His highest points per game total before this was 13.6. I mean, he, he averaged 10.3 shots per game. That was his career high total. This is crazy that he had this, but Man, the balls on him to take this kind of bet on himself. Good for him. I mean, it wasn't even like he was ditching Denver because they didn't offer him money. They offered him the same money, and he was like, no, I think I can do this on my own, and he did it. And look how good he is. Really impressive. It's been super impressive. Uh, Grant is 26 years old, and I, I'm i sure it's there. I just can't remember this type of – improved production especially as it relates to like isolation scoring which i didn't think that jeremy really had in his bag um because he was a really good three and d catch and shoot guy in denver um and he really you know he's a two-way player uses his length really well um but he's really been i mean like his handle is good like he's been taking guys off the dribble the stat that jumps out to me amidst you know, the, some of the stats you already referenced is his improvement from the line. And it's not even like he was a bad free throw shooter, but, you know, in, in whenever I research guys or whenever I research college prospects, I'm always looking at their free throw percentage to see, you know, what can I, how, how easy can I judge what type of shooter they will be at the professional level. So for his career, Grant, you know, he went from the 50s to essentially being a low um, 60s and 70s guy in terms of his average from the line. He's shooting 86% from the line this year. Like, I just I just don't think you see that type of improvement from a guy who, who really is not like a dead-eye shooter. 
um, or at least was not was not for his career on five point six attempts too. Right, and yeah. so so to to have that type of production in year whatever this is seven or eight for him in in the league at, at twenty six years of age, like it's very very impressive. Um, and just to to touch a little bit on our conversation with relation to his all star all star candidacy, I mean. You know, granted, the production was very different, and, and Trey Young is is, in my opinion, I know some people are not as high. I think he's a transcendent um, point guard and player in the league. But he did; he was an All Star last year um, on a very, very bad team. Um, now his his production was amazing, uh, but you know, Jeremy Grant, he's got to be considered. I'm not saying you put him there, but I mean, you know, this guy. He's regardless of what defense is, is thrown at him, he's still producing like this. He's also averaging over a block per game. Um, so he's doing it on both ends of the court. And to me, that matters. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how we get things when we get a little bit closer. I'm not going to say yes or no yet. Um, but I think that the one thing you said there that really rings true with me is like, wow, what, what a way to bet on yourself and come through. And now hopefully get the recognition you deserve because Jeremy Grant is, is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen that with, uh, I mean, obviously Christian Wood went to Houston. It was uh, ironic there, a Detroit guy leaving, but uh, they're far and away the most improved players. It looks like right now, but I was going to bring up uh, Julius Randall too. Obviously that, would be another all-star candidate and they're in uh could be fighting out for all-star spots there. Cause you know, there's only so many spots is what I was thinking of while you were talking, but um, cause I mean, I feel like we're just naming Julius Randall an all-star right now. And I think he is. Yeah. But I mean, right. It, it's very early. And I think both, I think both of these guys have a claim to be an all-star Grant yeah. and Randall. I, I think they'll I think they'll be in the conversation, both of them. I mean, uh, you know, if the records if, if the records stay the same, I, I I would give the the edge to Randall. Um, and and I'll be honest, I'm, I don't have a great depth of knowledge of the Eastern Conference forward spots right now, outside of like the big names. But I mean, good problem to have, I, you know, in in terms of a of a conference that's hopefully getting a little bit more competitive and maybe some more star power here and there and Harden transferring over to uh, the East is, is certainly going to make things interesting yeah. uh, when it comes to that conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just great to see the guy betting on himself coming through and succeeding. Um, uh, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's a small bright light for the Pistons fan base that just read today that Killian Hayes is going to be reevaluated mm. in eight weeks uh, for his hip injury. Uh, so that's a tough, tough blow. Um, and I, and I honestly, I, I know some people were really rushing to judgment and calling him a bust. I don't care. I saw enough in two preseason games against the Knicks. Like I'm not going to say anything about his ceiling, but he, he's an NBA player. Like Killian Hayes is going to be fine if they develop him and they get him stronger. He's ridiculously young. And he's already got, you know, 
some gumption about him and, and is not afraid of the big moment, like he's going to be okay. And you know what, if that's your future, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, um, we'll see how some of their other young guys pan out. You continue to draft. Well, maybe, maybe Troy Weaver will, will start looking a little bit smarter than apparently most of us thought he was as free agency started. Cause they, they signed every big, out there and i think we're all kind of looking at them with a little bit of a side eye but jeremy grant's production has to change that a little bit yeah jeremy grant really saved troy weaver's ass huh? <laughs> like did. really saved his yeah, ass. He, did. <laughs> he definitely did um i think we'll, we'll move on here uh, another team that i wanted to talk about and this is not as a as a bitter knicks fan who wants to rub salt in the eyes of dallas mavericks fans but uh, their team is very interesting to me. They got a ton of injuries right now. Uh, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. Um, Three-game losing streak. And some numbers right now that you would not think would be associated with the Dallas Mavericks. They're 25th in three-point percentage, which is lower than the Knicks, which I didn't think would, would be possible in most situations. They're 27th in assists per game. 23rd in offensive rating, 7th in defensive rating, which is really interesting. Um, but, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've been struggling a lot lately. Uh, one thing that I found that was super interesting about them is Luka Doncic's defense. Uh, was just reading an article from uh, Mavs Moneyball over at SB Nation. And through 11 games, he had nine blocks. And he had 14 all of last season, which is pretty amazing. And so at the time that the article was written, Luca's one-on-one defense actually ranked third uh, in the league, uh, only to Pascal Siakam and Larry Nance Jr. He was in the 95th percentile in one-on-one defense, <laughs> one-on-one. Luca? I'm dead serious, dude. Luca Doncic, man. He's What he's, site was this on? This was on Mads Moneyball. Um, Ryan Mainville, I'll give credit to the writer, wrote that. And, uh, is this the guy who voted Luca all defense last year? Wasn't I, that Andre I Drummond? Or... I don't know. <laughs> but he so apparently he was in the 36th percentile uh, in in guarding one on one possessions, and he's in the 95th. Who knows where that number is now? Um, that was that was through 11 games, but he's improved a lot in that area. But um, yeah, I'm just interested to see kind of your take on the Mavs, and is it just as simple as hey, they got to get their guys back and healthy? they'll be fine. Uh, KP's had some up and down games. You know, he's, he's coming back from a big injury. I'm in my honest opinion, I'm not really worried about the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I do believe they'll be in the top eight when it's all said and done. But uh, what's, what's your take on them? I think they'll probably be in the top eight when it's all said and done, but I think they want to be a lot more than that. They just paid Porzingis a bunch of money. And they're about to pay Luca a ton of money. So they should be worried because they're not ready to be a contender. They just got smoked by the Bulls, you know, and Luca played really well in that game. He did. You know, and Porzingis, the questions about Porzingis' health are not just us speaking as bitter Knicks fans. You know, there's legitimate questions about his health. They need to go get another guy. They have to. And Victor Oladipo is the obvious one to me. Um, I just think that I know they were talking about this on Nick's film school about how uh, Houston would be willing to trade him 
and I think they would. I mean, the Mavericks have some pieces to go get him. I mean, obviously, Josh Richardson is the guy that you would throw in there. I don't think Porzingis and Luka championship contender right there, and that's what Dallas is going for. They're going to get them in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen because Luka is that good. And Luca is going to eventually play himself into shape and not get gassed after however many minutes he gets gassed. But no, I'd be concerned because it's the Dallas Mavericks. They're a championship organization. Yeah. You know, they're looking to win a championship and right now they don't look like a championship team and they lost. They didn't lose Seth Curry. They traded Seth Curry. And I, I think they underestimated how much that would hurt them. Like you said, you brought up the three point percentage that they're really missing Seth Curry. And I think they just figured out oh, Tim Hardaway is going to shoot the lights out again. Tim Hardaway Jr. is about one of the most inconsistent players in the NBA. I right. mean, when he's going, he looks like a fucking sharpshooter. I right. mean, he can, uh, as much as Knicks fans like to hate it, on, hate on Timmy. And I was one of them when he was going, he looked really, really good. Yeah. And then when he was off, he was, he looked like a G leaguer at times when right. he, was, he was awful. Right. But he can be hot and cold, so you can't rely on Tim Hardaway. You would hope that when this team starts to get healthy again, I think that was one of the things, even when we talked to Kirk um, at, at Mavs Moneyball, he, I think he had even talked about the Timmy, you know, Carlisle being able to rein in Timmy. And you, when you start seeing bad shot Timmy come out, it's, it's hey, take a seat next to me on the bench. That that works when you have Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, and and Maxi to turn to. Those guys are not in the lineup right now. So right now you got to deal with bad shot Timmy, and when he's on, like you said, Chip, he's gonna look really good, and he might even win you a game or two. But but the story of Tim he did Hardaway, that for us. Yeah, he did. He certainly did. The story of Tim Hardaway has been that that's not the the side of Tim Hardaway Jr. that you see on a regular basis. No. No, that's not his career. He's a he's a really fun player at times. But then you're like, okay, he's <laughs> Yeah. Just chill, Timmy. Like you said, go sit on the bench next to the coach for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Take your medicine maybe. No, he does. He does. Um yeah, I think overall they'll be okay for the most part. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if they missed the playoffs. Yeah, they have one of the yeah. five best players in the NBA. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like the MVP favorite on the team. So if they missed the playoffs, that would be an absolute train wreck. Right. I would love it, of course. We got their pick. But <laughs> yes. Um, staying in the Western Conference, uh, Chip and I talked a little bit before we started recording that we really wanted to talk about this team. A team that I think we both kind of like. We're both kind of like closet fans of a little bit. Um, and that's the Utah Jazz. So, Chip, I wanted to uh, give you kind of the floor here just to talk about specifically what's what's piqued your interest about the Jazz this season. I know I have a couple of things uh, related to the Jazz that I'm really pumped to talk about as well. The best three-point shooting team in the NBA, yep. Utah Jazz. Yep. Amazing, right? Yep. Uh, what's piqued my interest is got to be Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I mean, we know – we know Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert's Rudy Gobert, but you know Vegas—they know everything. You know, <laughs> like they're they're fortune tellers, and they had Jordan Clarkson as 
the preseason six man of the year favorite, and he is playing like that guy right now. He looks awesome, and man, if he can keep this up, I think they're on a six-game win streak right now. They just won again, and I'm not sure if they play tonight right off the top of my head, but the Clarkson is playing the best basketball ball of his career right now. I feel like I've said that about Jordan Clarkson before, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, he's, I'm looking at his cleaning glass right now, 43% on threes, 44 on corners, 47 mid range and 66% at the rim. Uh, since that Utah trade, he looks like a different guy. Obviously he's playing with some of the best players he's played with. Since uh, he played with LeBron that brief time, that brief time he was with LeBron, he played really well. Right. Obviously, he didn't play well in the playoffs, but he struggled there. But he he was good playing with great players. And I think playing with Mitchell, playing with Gobert, and playing with Ingles specifically. Ingles too. Really, yeah. He's been really good playing with all those ball handlers. And obviously, he's going to be Jordan Clarkson. He's going to take a ton of shots. But I like what Donovan Mitchell's done too. Of course, I mean, he struggled a little bit at the start and people were like, wait a minute, this whole thing was BS, his whole, uh, what he did in the bubble. But yeah, I mean, this is what, this is why I'll admit I'll eat crow. I was a little concerned about the jazz because this is kind of what they do. They get off to slow starts every single year. And, uh, I think I picked them to finish pretty low in the West because of it. You know, they'll well, start we both, off. We both did. I was actually going to point that out. You had them eighth. I had, no, no, I'm sorry. I had them eighth. You had them seventh. And it's funny because I guess we both have to eat a little bit of crow here because, man, I, I you know, as a team, I didn't, I didn't see this. They're 10 and four right now. Yeah. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off there though. No, no, no. I was just going to say, we got to talk about Mike Conley, of course, too. I, I just love Jordan Clarkson, but Mike Conley got to give him his props. Well, one, one last thing real quick on Clarkson, um, because he was my pick for six man of the year. Uh, another um, SB Nation article uh, written by a guy called Calvin Ch- Chapel, I believe is his name. This, this really, really stood out to me. So not only is Clarkson filling it out as a scorer, but the way he's scoring has changed drastically over the past three seasons as well. So right now, only 5.8% of his shots are coming from long mid-range twos. This is, uh, this is compared to, I believe it was 24.2% back in 2018. And right now he's shooting 52% of his shots from three. So that just shows you that, you know, not only is he killing it, but He's efficiently killing it, which is super important, especially a guy coming off the bench who's not going to have the volume that maybe some of these other guys have, um, you know, whether it's like a Luca or a Harden to miss shots, but it, they're still helping the offense because of the gravity and, and all of that. But he's efficiently killing it, which is really, really impressive to me. Shooting 49%. I never thought I'd see a, no. a stat line where Jordan Clarkson was shooting 49% in my yeah. entire life. Yeah. And averaging 17.6 points. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, his effective field goal over 60. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't want to like well, when, gas when him up start, too when, much. No, obviously, I know, but, but when you start getting into 60% effective field goal percentage, 
That's like, I mean, we're, you're starting to talk like Curry numbers, like, you know, like 63, like above 60, stuff like that. Like, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's doing, he's doing really well and you just hope that it continues. Yeah. Obviously for sure. Yeah. And I mean, obviously in addition to that, Mike Conley playing like Mike Conley again has been spectacular for them. The three point shooting for, they have a bunch of guys who've been lighting it up, but Conley shooting 40% on threes again has been huge for them. I have him on my fantasy team, so I can concur that Mike yeah. Conley has been doing really, really well. <laughs> Mike Conley has been awesome again. He heard he heard all the haters last year, and he was like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> I get, and also it's contract year, Mike Conley, right? Isn't this the final year of his deal? <laughs> it certainly is, man. Uh, Jazz is just a great team, though. I mean, I feel like they're they're always. Uh, I mean. They're they're always underrated by uh, dum dums like me who say that Quinn Snyder is going to get fired if they <laughs> make past the first round last year. And of course, the Jazz do the smart thing and retain him and re up on their guys. You know, we, I think you could certainly have a intelligent debate on whether giving Rudy Gobert two hundred plus million dollars is the right move for your franchise long term. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but you know what? I get it. Um, just because they're not a big market team and they're, they're going to feel in some way, like just their development, that's going to be the way they make it or they don't. And they've, they've kind of doubled down on that and you, and you have to respect them for that. You know what I mean? At at the end of the day, uh, you have to respect them for that. The reason I didn't pile on with like the rest of NBA Twitter on the Gobert thing is like, who else are the Jazz going to spend that money on? It's true. Like, like it's like if Vooch's contract comes up in Orlando in a couple of years, like if they give him a bunch of money, it's like, okay, who else are they going to spend that money on? Like they're spending the money on the best free agent they could possibly get. They're giving the money. Small market teams are giving the money to the guy that actually wants to be there. Who are they? Who else are they going to pay? It's true. You, you can't let the all-star caliber caliber player walk out the door. Like that's not something you can do. Yeah. Um, Chip, I also wanted to touch on keeping it in the Western conference. Still. I also wanted to touch on the Portland trailblazers a little bit here. Uh, I guess very much opposite from the Utah jazz, a, a team that is trending downward. The, the record is certainly nothing to sneeze at eight and six in the Western conference right now, but man, uh, losing, losing CJ McCollum to what appears to be a hairline fracture in his foot. Nurkic has a fractured wrist, uh, man, the Portland trailblazers have been really unfortunately accustomed to enduring these injuries to their team over the last several seasons. Uh, Dame himself has not been injury proof and, but he's had to prove he's had to put out MVP type like numbers just to get his team across the finish line and into the playoffs. Uh, neither of these injuries to Nurkic or McCollum are long-term, which is a good sign, but how do you think this is going to ultimately impact their standing within the Western conference? And who do you think needs to step up for them? I think it's critical, obviously. I think it's really going to hurt them. Like you said, Lillard's going to have to do exactly what he did last year. Yeah, go just go nuclear 
to be MVP, 30, 35 points, 40 points, maybe even every single night. And because if he doesn't, they're probably not going to be able to win. I mean, it's Dame's averaging 28, CJ's averaging 27, and the next leading scorer is Melo, and he's averaging 12. So, you know, it's as good as, as much as we like Nurkic, he was averaging 9.8 points per game. It's not like he was contributing too much to the scoring. As far as guys who need to step up, I guess you can say mellow, but I'm not sure how much more he can add to the scoring than he is right now. Um, I, you you can ask him to to take more shots, obviously, but I'm not sure if he can be more than a 12-point-per-game guy, maybe a 15-point-per-game guy. I don't know how much you want to put on a 36-year-old. That's not really fair. I would say the guy who needs to step up is Gary Trent. Like Gary Trent, maybe Derek Jones Jr. Also, your guy, Harry Giles. Harry Giles would be nice. Yeah, I, Chip, I think, um, you know what I was looking, the, the Blazers are currently 26th in the league in um, uh, defensive rating. But Harry Giles, when he's on the court, he actually improves their defense about two points based on his on-court, off-court numbers. That was a guy that I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how the Blazers utilize and, um, and how if he can help improve them. I agree with you on Trent. Uh, and, you know, listen, we're both mellow guys, so I, I always love watching, you know, Carmelo Anthony score on the court. But, man, if you're going to rely on Melo at this stage in his career – and especially Cantor, defensively, this team is going to really, really struggle. And, you know, I know I wrote that article about comparing Mello and Julius Randle and just got absolutely eviscerated on Twitter, which is <laughs> just the funniest thing in the world to watch for both of us, I think. But oh, my God. The, the one fact- where it was – the one where the guy was like, this is what I want to do to the guy who wrote this article, <laughs> and it was – and it was Method Man being shot on the yeah. wire. Oh, my God. That was I, so uh, funny. I, I texted all of those to my girlfriend, and she had, like, a really <laughs> fun time watching that. I, we, it was super, super funny. But the truth of the matter is this, man. Like, um, I love watching Melo get buckets, and, and I still think Melo can play an important role on a good team with limited minutes. But if you're going to ask him now to do a lot more defensively than he has before, and especially Ennis Cantor, this team's going to really struggle. So if Harry Giles and Rodney Hood don't step up, the Blazers are going to be in trouble. But you know what? I feel like I've said this before with various injuries, and Dame figures out a way. So I'm not counting Dame out. Um, I still think he can do a lot, but it's it's going to be tough sledding for them. I think I was looking at their schedule. I don't think it's crazy. I think over the next 10 games, there's only five uh, with teams that have a, a record above 500. But, you know, these these injuries are clearly going to last more than 10 games. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at clean the glass and the, the Blazers with CJ and Dame are plus nine points per 100 possessions and in the 98th percentile in offense. And right. With Dame and no CJ, they're minus five points per 100 possessions. Their offense is, they still score, 
but they just don't score nearly as well to offset that their defense isn't very good with those two guys on the court. So I just, it's going to be a struggle, especially when they don't have Nurkic too. And like you said, you're counting on Cantor and Melo's already averaging 25 minutes a game. I think they just don't want to put a lot of shooting load on him right now. I think their obvious plan was to save him more for the playoffs. Right. You would think, but maybe maybe average him like 28 to 30 for the playoffs. I don't know. But now, yeah, he, you're going to have to ask him to do more offensively. You have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> like if I, Robert Covington can't hit a fucking shot, then, yeah. <laughs> then who else is supposed to go out there and do it? Very true. That's very true. Um, and then, you know, another topic that I think we wanted to really touch on, and this one for a couple of different reasons. Chip and I were really lucky enough to talk to uh, a video coordinator who worked at the university where this next player uh, went to college. He was a guy that was very much heavy in the talks of somebody that the Knicks could select. So we we did our research on him. We, we, we feel like we know a ton of information, but to see the production that Tyrese Halliburton has had uh, as a rookie in the NBA for the Sacramento Kings has been really, really fun to watch for a lot of different reasons, some of which we, we just mentioned. But this guy, you know, again, if, if you listen to certain circles of draft Twitter or Nick's Twitter, this guy was not going to be an offensive impact player at all. They said that his shot would not translate to the league. Uh, he has no handle, so he can't break anybody uh, off the dribble. He can't finish at the rim, which is still kind of true, to be fair. Um, but Tyrese Halliburton, you know, being paired with De'Aaron Fox has been one of the most fun backcourts to watch in the NBA, period. Uh, he, he's got a great quick release, deep range. He never turns the ball over. He's currently fourth in points, second in assists, fourth in steals in terms of uh, all rookies, shooting over 50% from the floor and from three. Ah, man, if you want to go to clean the glass, he's over the 90th percentile in points per shot attempt, effective field goal percentage, and all shots from three. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton has been amazing. Uh, Chip, what have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. The the smart people told us that he was going to suck yeah, and that the Knicks shouldn't take him. And I mean, I, I don't know if the Knicks should have taken him or not. Cause like you said, we don't have a De'Aaron Fox and that's always going to be the argument. Well, if he, he, he had come to the Knicks, he wouldn't be doing this cause we don't have a De'Aaron Fox and I'm not upset about the Knicks not taking him because I do like OB, but it's just it's fun to watch this guy, especially with Fox. Fox is so fun to watch. These guys are these guys are really good together. It's a it's a perfect pairing for him. It really is. He couldn't have gone to a better spot. Their defense is brutal, but <laughs> brutal. Just and, absolutely. And Aaron brutal. and Tyrese can't really guard too many people. So I mean nah. and they don't really I mean what Rashawn Holmes is their their rim protector. They have white side on that team though, right? Or no? He they signed him. Yeah. I, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's getting minutes. I don't. I don't know. I have. I don't remember hearing anything about him. I've only watched a couple of Kings games, and he wasn't. They, in, they don't really have any them, perimeter think. defending, and they don't really have any rim protection, which is going to be really tough. 
But they do no, score and they they do look cool when they're out there. <laughs> yes, they're uh, they're fun to watch. Everybody's watching to watch Halliburton and Fox. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> so and including other teams for when uh, De'Aaron Fox becomes available in a trade. <laughs> Assuming that. Yeah, um, I, I I just I've I've really enjoyed watching him. I, I think. Um, be interesting to see how his season goes. I think that you know teams do always adjust. It's just he's it, watching his highlights, man. It's just he passes guys open. He, you know, I was reading an article from uh, SI today, and you know, things you've heard about him before, but I guess didn't think we'd hear so early calling him a savant, especially in the open court, man. In transition, he's such a he is an amazing and beautiful passer of the ball, like. He does things that just I feel like I haven't seen since like, you know, Jason Williams kid esque type stuff. And it's funny. I was going to say this on the pod. I remember when we started doing kind of like our rookie evaluations, I was making notes on all these players. Right. And Halliburton came up and I remember I wrote this, but I never said it to anybody just because I was like, ah, that's like really like, is borderline corny, but also because he started getting such not negative press, but his his ceiling was very much in question because he's not a super athlete and you know he doesn't have maybe the great measurables or the you know the athleticism that maybe some of the other prospects did. But I remember watching his highlights, and the first thing that popped into my head was Showtime. Like literally, I wrote, I was like, this guy is box office. I was like, he is showtime. I was like, you have to draft him if you have the chance. But, you know, then you start looking at other players and you're like, well, you know, listen, he's, you know, he's not, he's not going to break anybody off the dribble. He's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. And you start to sour on him a little bit. And you were like, he's doing everything Knicks fans wish Carmelo Anthony would have done. <laughs> and then I wrote an article about that and posted it on Twitter. <laughs> and my mentions were filled with just massive amounts of, of hate. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it's been really fun to watch him. It, it has for sure. Um, Chip, do you have any any other topics for us to discuss? I don't. Unless, oh, uh, if you want to talk about the Rockets real quick or Oladipo real quick. Yeah, I, I really like, I like Oladipo there a lot, man. And, mm-hmm. and I, uh, they kind of saved me a little bit and they may not, but I was, uh, you know, when we did our preseason prediction show, I was definitely one of the few that had the Rockets in the top eight. Um, and I feel like this trade helps that a little bit. Um, I, I would have felt stronger if Harden was there. I just didn't, I personally did not project how much of a shit that Harden would not give in terms of his actual play on the court and how little effort uh, he was giving that team uh, towards the end. I did not foresee that happening. You could say that that's naive on my part or not, whatever, that's cool. Um, But I, uh, I do think that with, John Wall, Oladipo, Christian Wood, Cousins, fill in whoever. Hopefully, PJ Tucker is is playing well. Um, I like that team. I like the, the I like the skill sets complementing each other on that team. 
Uh, and I, I think they will make the, the playoffs eventually. I think they'll be in the top eight. Um, and I, and I like Victor Oladipo. I know uh, me and you have talked about him a lot and, I think I understand people that were lower on Oladipo really highlighting the, the part that he's, he's really only had one great year in the league and it was an all NBA type uh, year. And it's been surrounded with in, injuries and a little bit more of a regression to the mean. So, but he's playing really well. He's another guy I have on my fantasy team. He's been lighting it up. Mm. <laughs> so uh, Victor Oladipo has been playing well and, and I, I like him to eventually lift the Houston Rockets along with the rest of the players they have into the top eight in the Western conference. Well, he played well in his first game there. They played really well, but so you do think he's going to stay there the whole year. You think they're going to try and re up with him? I, you know what, maybe you know this better than I, but what is the limit on being able to trade somebody that was just traded? Is, is there like uh, a, is there like a date or something or a month? Till? I mean, like I got to imagine that's somewhat, but if he can still be traded, honestly, man, I think I think I, by the trade deadline you can trade him. Obviously, yeah. But yeah. Well, I guess what I would say is this: if I had to bet money, I personally think that the um, I think that Houston will try to make him. I think they'll try and and, and move forward with him. I, I really do. I, I think if if they have Wall there and. Their morale as a team post-Harden has got to be high enough that with the new coach there, I think you're going to want to support that new coach with talent. Um, And you're going to want to try and build something. From all intents and purposes, Oladipo has been seen, at least from things that I've read, as a hardworking guy, good culture guy. He clearly didn't want to be in Indiana until he did. And handled it the right way instead of the way Harden did it. Yeah, he did. He did. He didn't say anything. He didn't, he didn't hang the team out to dry in the media. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything at all. Um, and, and they, and they rewarded him. And to be honest, Indiana actually has a history of doing that. Paul George went to them and said, he actually, he gave them a heads up and was like, I'm not going to resign. You should try and get something for me now. And Indiana did that. So, you know, I, I Oladipo, I, I think that uh, the Rockets will try to build with him. Um, and if you believe in his health, you have to believe in him as a player. That's kind of how I see him. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that's a nice team moving forward. I don't think it's a world beater in the Western conference, but I think if you're trying to move on post Harden and transition and not just objectively suck for the next five years and just, acquire draft capital that's not a bad way to go about it in my opinion yeah the wall would oladipo three is probably a playoff team but it's just so much built on health with oladipo and wall it is it's such a big risk yeah i just i just i guess like if you're in that front office for me you just have to weigh what is the likelihood that you're going to be able to acquire a lot of draft capital this year to replenish what you don't have right now and if if your answer is well we're not going to really be able to get a good amount of first or, or things like that. I, I don't know. You, maybe you just, you know, kind of see how decent you can be in the Western conference to, you know, show your fan base, Hey, listen, we're not, you know, we're not going to be the 76ers. You know, we're not going to just sit in the doldrums of the bottom of the conference for the next 
three to four years. We're going to try and put a winning product on the court um, and see what happens. And, and I think, you know, again, I think supporting your new coach in that way also kind of speaks um, in, a, in a positive way as well. And there's also Tucker's contract situation too. That's true. That's going to have to be resolved. Yeah. Are they really just going to let that dangle the whole year? That's a very, very good question. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying about Steven Silas. Everybody seems to like him. Yeah. And it, it makes sense to you hire a new coach. You want to support him with talent, but you don't know with, the, with Tillman Fertitta. I mean, yeah. he just seems like a complete scumbag. Yeah. So, I mean, he is a complete scumbag. Right. So he doesn't seem like we know he is. So that that's why I question the Oladipo thing. Like, is he going to want to shell out money for Oladipo now? Uh, we don't really know what his motivation is here. And I, I don't know. I, I just. That's true. I think that's a really fair point. I think mm-hmm. we have to uh, try our hardest to get somebody close to the Houston Rockets organization on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, whether it's media, you know, someone who knows the players, trainers, whatever, because that's a Daryl Morey. Very... We should get Daryl Morey on this podcast. <laughs> I will write a very strongly worded email as soon as we wrap this up and I will uh, do my best to get Daryl Morey on the podcast. That would be fantastic. Oh my God. That would be amazing to get yeah. Daryl on this podcast. That would be, uh, that would be pretty wild. Um, well, I think that probably is is going to do it for us tonight. Um, yeah, it's been a really good season so far. I just really hope we get to see the conclusion of it as we continue to hear some of the COVID cases rising. I do believe today uh, it was reported that there was 11 positive cases, and I do also believe that there is a game on Saturday that has either been postponed or canceled. Um, but you know, thus far, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that games can continue to be played and people are not affected negatively. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing our thing here. We're going to try and get, well, we should be able to have another podcast before the end of the weekend, uh, a little tease that should be Brooklyn Nets related with a really, really talented writer who, if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know him uh, when we have him on. So we're looking forward to that. And as always, just uh, any and any and every NBA news that that Chip and I have the chance to talk about, uh, we we will do so. Um, I think that probably does it does it for me, Chip. What about yourself? No, it does it for me. Congratulations to President Biden and Vice President Harris. Absolutely, and uh, congratulations to, to Chip, man. You're making it on the Knicks Film School pod, podcast, <laughs> the entire episode. Chip, you were awesome, of course. Um, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty cool to hear for sure. Thank you. Yeah. We're following up the president with, uh, congratulations to me. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> more important news. Of course, we'll save that for last. Um, but of always, as always to anyone who's listening, uh, we hope everybody is staying safe and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace.